Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? You know what? That one works. Blake, if you could be one celebrity, who would you be? Easy, Bono. So I could put out a song called Toby Get Over It. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who wonders if he will ever live down that Bono flub on the podcast, and I'm here with my co-host who dresses up as Bono every single Friday night, Toby Walters. All I have to do to dress up like Bono is be sexy and put on sunglasses, so... That's so it never happens. MO. Okay. So and Blake, what's more embarrassing, your uh, the fact that you didn't know who Bono was, or the fact that you didn't know who Mick Jagger was? That's actually a really fun one. I don't know. I would say Bono. I feel like next year for our uh, Church Tech Madness, Church Tech Madness, it should be like Blake's big, biggest flubs, and then Ooh. everyone he votes on it. I, I like that. We do need a new topic yeah, next year. You've got quite a few of them. So uh, obviously. You know, I, I dreamed, obviously, but I dreamed of being a rock star at one point in life. Who doesn't? And uh, there was, a, did you ever watch The Wonder Years? You know that show? I didn't. Toby, I watched all nice nine seasons of The Office to work here, and now I still have a show uh, it's I haven't fine. seen. It's fine. It's okay. a coming-of-age story of a boy in the 60s and 70s, and there's like a specific episode where he dreams of being a rock star and joins a band, and I feel like it's a just a reoccurring theme in young boy's life, like... There's just this one moment where it's like, I could totally be in a band and like get the girls. And so I had that certainly growing up and it was kind of like, you know, which path am I going to take? Do I want to go down the music path and be a rock star or, and then I fell in love with gear and kind of got, you know, really into live music production and recording studios and that whole thing. And And being on stage. Well, it, you know, is behind the border on stage. Like those are the kind of the, the two paths for me. And so, you know, my trajectory moved back and forth between them. And do you know which one paid the bills? Uh, I'm going to guess it's the one where you just started hanging out in all those closets. Uh, Essentially. Yeah. The point is neither one of them paid the bills very well. (laughs) But they were fun. So living on a dream, you know, buying gear was kind of it was the the side hustle when I was pursuing the dream. And there's always these internal battles of, you know, I, I think God's called me to do this, but I'm going to pay the bills doing this. And so it oh, was... Oh, I didn't know that you actually kind of had that. That is tough. Yeah. So in like 2008, 2009, when the great great recession happened, you know, a lot of the, the work dried up for... Um, Live gigs? Yeah, live gigs. Like churches stopped spending a lot of money bringing in artists because they were, you know, pulling back, being conservative with their funds. It makes sense. You can't feed dinner on live gigs. You know, they they would put up some money to bring in Phil Wickham because, I mean, it's Phil Wickham. Everybody knows Phil Wickham. But, you know, Toby Walters calls and says, 
hey, you know, my band is available to lead worship. Would you be interested? It costs this. And no, I think we're going to we're gonna pass. We only have Phil Wickham money. We don't have Toby Walters money. So I was buying and selling gear 2008 to, well, let's say 2009 to 12 in there. And that was basically paying all the bills. But I felt like a crisis of calling, if you want to call it that. Um, let's, let's trademark that right now. Crisis of calling. Crisis trademark. of calling. Cause I felt like God had given me these gifts to be a worship artist and a worship leader, yet it wasn't happening for me. And so I really struggled with this battle while selling gear and I was good at selling gear. Like it provided for my family. It brought all of my skills together in one sort of weird. Yeah. Scrapper, thing. saver, scrapper. and exactly. savvy. And so in 2012, I kind of got offered the job of a lifetime. Uh, you got offered to be my friend? <laughs> that's not a job, Blake. That's a pleasure. Okay. Right? Well, that's the <laughs> nicest thing you've ever said to me. So moved to Nashville in 2012, worked for a university as an artist in residence, going to travel. I'm going to write and record all day. They're going to put me on tour. This does sound awesome. It was like the dream job. And I thought, finally, God has opened up the door for the thing I've always dreamed of. And do you know how long that elation lasted for me? Uh, I'm going to guess about 10 seconds. Yeah, about two or three days. Dang. Like two or three days into the job, I realized, oh man, like this is not the dream. This is not what I thought it would be. It's, you know, reality it's scary when your dream in. turns into a nightmare. And so did that for about a year and... Just the whole thing, kind of like the university didn't have the enrollment, didn't have the funds that they thought they did. They started cutting jobs um, in this department like crazy, and and I was the first one to go. And how dare they? It was such an interesting like re-perspective in my calling that all of a sudden I and my wife's kind of said, you know, well, what do you want to do now? And I said, I think I just want to buy and sell gear. Like I was satisfied and complete in the you know, the worship and the artistry. And I felt like God showed me my dream and I realized, you know what? That wasn't my dream. And he said, awesome. I have this other thing that you're really good at. Maybe we'll go down this path if you want. And I was, yeah, let's go down this path. And here we are 10 years later, Blake. This is 10 years of doing this full time. And, you know, church gear would have never existed if I had continued down the worship path or somebody else would have started a different version of it. Yeah, but it wouldn't have been as good. Wouldn't have been as fun. And speaking of things that are good and fun, introducing the uh, one and only Stephen Brewster to the podcast. Stephen, welcome to the show, man. How's it feel to be a repeat guest on Church Gears Podcast? Um, it feels amazing to be a repeat guest. I I didn't know that there was such a thing. So, are there? Is this a big community that I'm in, or is it a smaller community? You are only the third. This is all going to be a series. Uh, you will have been only one of three as a, as a repeat three. guest out of over s almost 70 episodes. That's amazing. So, uh, yeah. Who do, Can you tell me who the others are? Yeah, uh, Todd Elliott and Josh Fisher. So oh, That's awesome. I love those guys. Jesus Culture's drummer and yeah. Mr. Philo himself and Stephen Brewster. I mean, uh, that's I mean, amazing. Cream of the crop. I mean, those guys are way more talented than I am. So And Blake, I noticed how you said now introducing and it's like you don't even know how to describe the goat. You just you just went straight to his name. Yeah, I almost <laughs> did. You just go, ah, I mean, the goat, goat is <laughs> it's like how do you even describe Stephen Brewster and what he does? I mean 
If you I, figure it out, tell me. Yeah. I'm sure his wife could probably give us a good answer, and that's about it. She's probably the only one who's done the amount of homework to know. I mean, the the man she loves who also does the dishes and takes out the trash on his best days, I bet. I mean, uh, I have children for that. <laughs> so, there we go. That's See, why we some, had that's why we had kids. Someone's finally know? given a good argument for children. Yeah, we we had kids for those reasons. So. So what's this episode all about, Blake? All right. So this one is going to be hard conversations with yourself. So, when you're up there so and you found somebody with multiple personalities to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. We found someone that was so cool, he's willing to go up into his brain brain noggin and uh let us in on the hard conversations he's had with himself. We've all had these moments, but sometimes we'll block it out, you know, not pay attention to ourselves. So we're going to get real heady today. Okay. So Steven, instead of doing five truths and a lie, you've got five internal battles and a fake. Okay. Do you think you're going to fool us? So these are Steven's own internal battles that you may or may not have experienced in your life. Correct. Okay. Well, five of, like, five of them I've experienced, right? And then one. One's a fake. Yeah. Although I've only got, hang on, let's not look. I've only got five with me. Wait, so, so no, wait. I think well, I gave four you four. Four and a fake. Four and a fake. Okay. So four. I broke the rules. Our odds got better, actually, yeah. for us. Great. Okay, number one. Does what I am doing matter? Ooh, we can talk about that. I mean, that's, that sounds like <laughs> the story you just told. Number two. Am I spending too much time on social media? Oof. The answer to that for me is now yes. I mean, we're... TikTok live and Instagram live. So. <laughs> yeah, well, and like, I don't know, 30% of my job is social. So that, what's toxic is I'll, it'll be on the weekend. I'm not even supposed to be working, but I'll get on just to get that little hit when I'll mm-hmm. see oh, yeah. all the likes. It's terrible. Number three, is what I do now still considered ministry? Oh, these are, now I'm having internal battles. <laughs> what if he wrote these about us? I know. The goal is for you guys to be in counseling after this Perfect. podcast. So. Well, we both are. We both started. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Good. I think I literally started, I was thinking about this this morning on the drive-in, about two weeks after we talked. Yeah. So you were you were that, that patch that got me through before I, I finally started. I mean, Blake and I have needed couples counseling for a while, so. <laughs> it would be quite fun, I think, to do it. Number four, how do I know if this thing I'm working on is good or working? Hmm. hmm. We got too much confidence to struggle yep. with that one. We know uh, this is good <laughs> and it's working. Because Stephen Brewster came in on our podcast, so we must be crushing it. We got the goat. All right, number five. Will there ever be a day with no problems? I can answer that right now. And the answer is probably no. Well, Jesus said in this life there will be troubles. Yeah, that's Monday true. through Friday. The weekends have no troubles, though. <laughs> All right, Blake, do you have a, a gut feeling on these internal battles? You know, I think I do. I think I'm going to say that the am I spending too much time on social media is not one because Stephen feels like he feels like one of those guys that like they have the hard cutoffs in their day. Jeremy does this where he just mm-hmm. puts his phone up at X time during the day. I'm going to bet that that's Stephen. Um, see, I would almost agree with you because I feel like he might – you know, am I spending too much time on social media? And the lie is he always knew he always spent too much time. But I'm going to go with uh, number five. Will there ever be a day with no problems? Because I feel like he would say, like, absolutely not. Maybe I have regrets. Been. Yeah, that's obvious the answer. No. Yeah. I mean, okay. I have many regrets as well, Blake. <laughs> you being <laughs> the one that makes all the regrets feel better. <laughs> all right, Stephen, what's the reveal? You're right. Number five. Yes. <sighs> Sorry, oh, Blake. Blake. It is so good. It's because you don't right know who Bono time. is. How the heck do you not know who Bono is? I mean, yeah, he would have told me there's always going to be problems. That guy's iconic. Well, mm-hmm. 
All right. Put have, you, have, have you gone back and researched Bono since this? Like, have ish? You, ish. I, I'm not a big music. Bro, like, first off, the punishment for not knowing Bono <laughs> should be that you have to go back and learn all about Bono. I thought it was death, but... <laughs> Wow. Well, then we just go straight to corporate death. punishment on oh, that one. Okay. But. Well, have you been to America? Yeah. <laughs> and do you think uh, not knowing who Bono is or uh, Mick Jagger is more embarrassing? Well, I think Bono. Okay. Uh, just Mick Jagger is obviously like a legend as well. But I mean, Bono's world existed so far outside of just music and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, philanthropy, thinker, speaker, author, you know, Mick Jagger. Awesome, but not quite the same reach. Mm-hmm. That's a really persuasive, conc- yep. concise argument. I mean, the goat just told you that you should have known who Bono was. I'm, you should be ashamed. I, by, by the time I come back for my next episode, <laughs> oh no, you need to have some Bono knowledge. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing. Brewster knows if that's what it takes to get him back on, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll do a Bono quiz. I, sh- I should have created a you know Bono trivia. But I get to ask the questions. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's yes? He asks him against us two. Yeah, and you actually research, and I just go off the fact that I've known who Bono was since I was like 10 years old. Right, as you should. Yeah. That would be fun. All right. Okay, so uh, does what I'm doing matter? And see, I really struggled with this before I started buying gear for churches because I'd just buy gear off of Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, and it felt like like I was a day trader. Like I'm just buying gear from one source and putting it on another – I, I'm providing for my family, but like, am I doing anything that's good? And so it's been interesting now, you know, doing it for the church. And it's, yeah, it's a new reality. Yeah. What was kind of your struggle with that? Um, so, you know, I was in, I was in the music business for like 10, 12 years. And then I was in church for cumulatively about the same amount of time. And I thought church was forever. Like my music career ended and I went to work in a church and I, I loved it. And I loved the team that I worked with and I loved the, the purpose and mission and passion of what we were doing. And so to me, I was never music, going back to music was never the, the goal or the plan. The plan was be an executive pastor on a team over creative, do that until I'm 60 and then go be a campus pastor and ride out the sunset. And so um, when that all shifted, started shifting in 2016, culminated in 2018, it was like, oh, like I knew there was purpose in what I was doing when you're working. When you go to church every day to work, you kind of figure that there better be purpose in it. And then now it's like I'm sitting at my desk in my house. Is there still purpose in this? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what really started that whole inner turmoil. And very similarly, I'm sure is, you know, is this still ministry? Uh, That was a total, yeah. Like, I mean, I love the local church. And so even in the the music business space that I live in, I work 95% of the teams I work with are just worship teams that are releasing music. So um, I get to still work with the local church, but is pitching a song to Spotify ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really, I, I, I went through a season. It was pretty dark. This thought was pretty dark. Like, man, I'm wasting my, my life. And I talked to a mentor and he was like, there's a lady who's going to get in her car after her kid just got diagnosed with a really bad sickness and she's going to hit Spotify. And one of the songs that you helped 
is going to play and it's going to minister to her. And that wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have been involved. And I was like, okay, I can reconcile now. It's amazing how hard it is sometimes to see what God intends us to do that's ministry and as opposed to our perspective. Like we think if we're not on a paid staff at a church, we're not doing ministry. Right. We're not, you know, volunteering within a church, it's not ministry. Yeah. You know, I've struggled with that a lot, even with church gear. Like, and what I'm doing, is that really ministry? And then I've received so much encouragement just from our church texts that we partner with to just say thank you and say yeah. like, this has served us in such amazing ways. And for, for me, it's broken into two different spaces. One, I feel like I pastor worship leaders now. So a lot of worship leaders have complicated or, or conflictive uh, relationships with their senior pastor. So I can come in and help bring some context and some pastoring to help maybe heal that relationship a little bit. And then the other thing is I was, I was having a meeting yesterday with a guy and he's like very successful manager in the music business. And he's, he said like, I, I'm a Christian. I, everything I do is for Christ, but my job is business. And I was like, well, no, that's your ministry is actually business. Your ministry is to make sure that your teams can, your bands can do ministry. And he was like, I've never thought about it that way. And so, you know, even for you, like your ministry is, there's no ministry on a Sunday if the mics don't work. I mean, there could be, but it's better. Yeah. You know, and so your ministry is preparing ministry. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, and what a backwards way to think that it could only happen at church or if we're volunteering at church because we're supposed to go out from the world after mm -hmm. Sunday. But the thing so. is, is so many churches like preach leadership instead of discipleship, mm. right? We need leaders. We need volunteers. We need dream team. We need the, we, you know, and, and all of that's important and good. And when done in, in a healthy environment is solid. But the truth is discipleship is where the ministry takes place. And that can happen at Burger King. It doesn't have to be, you know, but we get trained in church and I'm as guilty as anyone that this is how you do ministry. You develop leaders, you get them into ministry, you get them doing something so that they can be fulfilled. And the truth is, you're, my doctor's a, my doctor's as much of a minister as anyone else. So, and the dangerous thing can be as well for, you know, our church techs or any paid church staff members to think that their ministry stops when they leave work. Yeah, or if they leave that church. Yeah. Right? Like there's such this, there's so much fear. I, as I talk to teams across the country, there's so much fear that if I leave here, I'm out of God's will and I'm, I, I'm, I'm no longer going to be valuable in ministry. Mm -hmm. Because of geography or occupation in a specific church, that's not, that's not kingdom. Mm, that is a tough one that they think about, though. Oh, yeah. They think about moving churches. No doubt. So we've got our hard conversations with ourselves kind of broken up into three sections. We got health, ego, and identity. So let's talk about some health questions. Well, let's okay. let Bono answer the ego questions. You'll learn why later. Oh <laughs> man, what a good throwback! So health questions. Are we talking like you know, get your annual checkup at the? Uh, mine's literally next. Yep, mine's next week. <laughs> you know how hard it is to get a physical. I had to schedule this four months ago. That's how booked the. Wow. Those Dang. Do you have to get that? Uh, What's the thing where they, yeah, colonoscopy. Have we talked about this on the podcast? <laughs> Toby made, I'm going to see if I can say this in a G way. Toby made fun of my uh, peeing habits to the point. You were peeing like every 15 minutes. After drinking a full 
pitcher of smoothie, like spinach and, and yogurt and all that. So like, yeah, for two hours, it'd be kind of intense. But that was it. And I was concerned about your prostate, little buddy. No, you weren't. You were concerned about how much I was not working during all this pee time. <laughs> Can you do work while you're at the urinal? Well, if you're on the social media manager, yes. That's right. Well, don't go live. After <laughs> you guys, kid, I'm, I'm, I will hold the phone like this whenever. Yeah. Uh, all this to say, he made fun of me peeing to the degree that I ended up going to the doctor and uh, things were put in places that I did not expect. Yeah, you got a, uh, you know, a check up. Yeah. That you were not expecting. <laughs> it was painful. It yeah. was really, actually, it was just kind of weird. It was and, very weird. And didn't yeah. you get two of them? Yes. Yeah. What? So that, I... I bet I if you knew who Bono was, they'd only had to give you one. <laughs> if they knew, if they knew I didn't know who Bono was, they'd be like, we're just gonna let you die. Yeah. So I've taken, I've taken a lot for and, church gear. And everything okay back there, Blake? I hope so. <laughs> I, I don't know everything anymore. Everything out all right? Go. Yeah. Everything's going fine. Yeah. So that is the ultimate prank. What you pulled off. All yeah. right. All Let's, right. We're talking mental health. Let's yeah. not get distracted, Blake. Gosh. <laughs> I think this is that thing where, it, all right, whatever. So, in this post COVID world, this sounds so fancy for us. In this post COVID world yes. where mental health is such a hot topic, like, how do you find yourself checking in on yourself well? Especially now that you're kind of working for yourself and you're outside of like a big staff and it's yeah. now, I mean, how do you check in on yourself? Very timely question because I've been, I've been, exploring how I'm handling this before we, before you guys reached out about doing this podcast. I have one competitive advantage that most people don't. My wife with what she does, she basically does counseling all day. So I live with a counselor. So that forces you to address things in a different way. Um, but also I'm a three on the Enneagram. So feelings and function for a three can't coexist. So I will suppress feelings so that I don't affect function because I need to, I need to achieve in order to feel valued, which is not healthy by the way. So, I mean, I've done a lot of counseling, a lot of counseling. Um, I would, I, I started going to counseling in 2015 and, um, I was the guy who was like, I don't need counseling. And then six months later I had two counselors because <laughs> I needed so much counseling and, you know, no matter how great your parents are, no matter how great your life was, your upbringing, whatever it is, there are things in your past that have created trauma that if you don't address it, it will control you and it will affect you. And it will affect every relationship you have, every function that you have, why you do what you do. And so getting clarity on mental health is not always, I'm a mess, how do I get unmessy? A lot of times it's, what have I not addressed that I need to address in order to live the optimum life that God designed for me? And so if you, in your house, if you had a leak and you're like, well, it's just that one little corner over there and it, well, mildew's going to grow. Eventually the whole roof's going to fall down. And that's what happens to us in mental health. We, we have these little areas that we know exist or suspect exist. And if we don't go see somebody and, and address it, it starts to grow and grow and grow. And before you you know what's happening, you're in trauma or crisis, and it's because you never addressed those things that were keeping you from being truly healthy. Mm. I know for church techs, oftentimes, like, their job is seasonal and they're crazy seasons. How can they distinguish between, like, Am I going crazy? Like, is my mental health in danger or am I just exhausted 
and I need to rest? Um, it's probably both. So if, if you, even when we go through seasons, and we all have to go through seasons, do we all have seasons that I'm not, I, the whole church or like work-life balance thing, I'm not a big subscriber to that. I think balance is, is personalized based on who you are, how you're wired, what your occupation is, your responsibility is, your calling is, a lot of factors. But I, I think exhaustion is an indicator. It's a, it's a warning light on the dashboard of, hey, my life is out of balance to a place right now that I need to make an adjustment or else I'm going to have other problems. And so we think, and we think that a vacation or uh, a couple of days off sleeping in is going to solve that. And typically that's not the case. Typically it's a deeper, it's a soul issue or mental health issue that, hey, how do I go in and get this? How do I go in and address this in a way that at least I know the tools when I start to feel myself going this way that I can bring myself back? And exhaustion may be one of them, but what are some other red flags that we uh, should be looking for in ourselves. Okay, I'm not a professional. Sure. Okay. Your wife is. We she is. brought her. I'm, yeah, she's. <laughs> whoa, she whoa, would be whoa. way better at this. Uh, but I've I've made a lot of mistakes, and so I've learned through making a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. Uh, isolation is a huge warning sign. When you feel yourself starting to isolate, pulling away from the things that the things or people that you have loved in the past, <clears throat> in a way that you just want to be, you have to be alone more. And I'm not talking about like introvert versus extrovert. I'm talking about you are consciously shutting everybody else out. That's a huge first indicator. Um, I think a lot of times uh, substance can also be a, a, an indicator. If you, if, if you need a drink every night, that's, that's a sign that something's probably out of balance, you know, and, and it may not be a drink. It might be I mean, I love nerd gummies. Then <laughs> there's two different packages. There's That's the, so specific. There's the pink package and the blue package. If I find myself buying a lot of blue packages, I'm like, wait, I'm looking for a dopamine hit right now that's coming through eating this sugar. What's going on? You know? And so, I mean, I think, so isolation, any kind of abuse... Um, I do think disassociation you, through your cell phone is an easy way to to find a different place that you're living as opposed to, and it doesn't always have, it's not always bad. I'm not, it, it doesn't, you know, a lot of people will be like, it's porn. But I mean, it's not just that. I mean, you can, the, the average user on TikTok stays on TikTok for 40 minutes. Mm. Okay? It's the time. highest, it's the highest of all social media consumption lengths. If you see that you're on TikTok for two hours a day, you are trying to disassociate from something, you know? I think irritability is another one too. Like you start to find yourself not having the patience for the things that you normally have the patience for. Mm -hmm. So I, those are all, at least those are all indicators for me. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed uh, back, we, we alluded to the counseling thing. I couldn't ever be uh, doing something without a podcast going. I always had to have a podcast going and I figured out I, I couldn't listen to music because then my mind would roam. Like I needed to be focused and just mm -hmm. ignore everything else. And then I was like, Oh, I can listen to music again now that I've gone to counseling. Like, That's awesome. cause I was medicating it with a podcast yeah. like that. It's funny how we always think of yeah, alcohol or pornography or smoking, whatever it is, those like obvious things that people that are yeah. dependencies. 
but it can be other things. There's, yeah, and and the they, those can be equally as uh, damaging long term. Mm. Um, how do you, how do we know when it's time to ask for help? Hmm, that's such a good question. I mean, poor Brewster. We've pulled him on here for the hardest episode. Sure did. That's why we went after the goat. Whew. Yeah, like when you're <laughs> when you're having those hard moments in the past, like or yeah. whatever you're thinking, like man, I. I might need to ask for some help. Like, how? yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's it's. I start to notice some of those indicators that we just talked about, and I go, "Oh, okay, those indicators are definitely being triggered right now." I need to have a conversation, a and sometimes, you know, I'm not a, a big sharer, so um, I had an, a situation take place last week. Something that was complete. I've never had this experience before. And, and it was a mental health thing. And, and I didn't even, it happened. It, it lasted about two minutes and then it went away. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I think I'm okay now. And so I didn't even think about it. To, this morning I went to the doctor and the doctor asked a couple questions. And as she asked questions, I was like, oh, wow. I didn't tell my wife about this. I need to go home and tell her about it. So then I went home and told her about it. And it was like, oh yeah, that, that happened. You know, so I think you just have to be in tune to yourself, right? Like no one can be in tune to you for you. Even Ooh. the people that love you the most, mm -hmm. they don't know what's really going on in your head. And, and a lot of times what's going on in your head is a byproduct of what's going on in your soul, right? And so, you know, making sure that you're, you're checking in with yourself. And, and that's probably a daily, sometimes hourly exercise. Uh, for me, one of the, you know, the signs that I knew I needed help uh, is, so Blake and I used to go to the same church. I thought he was about to say I was the reason <laughs> they needed help. I hired so, Blake and... Yes, exactly. Oh, man. So I was at Fellowship Bible. And I mean, one of the reasons I started Church Gear is because I legit, I love worship and tech staff members mm -hmm. at churches. Like any church I'm at, like those are my boys and girls. Like I love them. I support them. I encourage them. And so at nine years at Fellowship, I had developed relationships with all these guys and, and girls. And like those were some of my good friendships. And then we switched churches for our kids because they needed a different environment. And I didn't know any of the, the worship and tech people yet. And at the same time, I had <clears throat> started a business and it, it there's like categories of relationships and it's different than, um, you know, when you're, when you're working with people that you see every day, it doesn't automatically mean that you're deep friends. Right. You work together and you can be good friends. And so I was listening to a message at Church of the City and Darren Whitehead was talking about when he was in ministry early on and miscategorizing relationships. And he said he, he had not experienced so much pain as when he miscategorized relationships. And he realized there are confidants, people that are in your life that are for you. Mm -hmm. They're going to be for you no matter what. And they're there, you know, to, to be your confidant. And then there are colleagues, mm -hmm. people that work and serve alongside you who are there for the mission. Mm -hmm. They are on board for the same mission. And like, that's why they're there. They're not there for you. They're there for the mission. And so that was a real like eye-opening moment. And I know for a lot of our techs, when they switch churches, their whole support system of those people that were their confidants, and now they're going to a new church and just assuming like, well, I'll find new confidants. And that's not an easy thing to do. 
No. You got new colleagues, you're all there for the same mission, but to build those confidant relationships and we have to have those in our lives. Yeah. Otherwise we're like, we're gonna need help. Well, and did you and I talk about this? Is, is there a third? Uh, confidants, colleagues, and comrades. Okay. Comrades are people that essentially disagree with the same things you disagree with. Gotcha. So you're willing to go to a rally together and fight against an issue together. It's a little too soon for that. Yeah. I was. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine Toby at any rally ever. I want to see you at a rally, and I want to know what the rally is for. Done. Tacos have been outlawed. Yeah. That's what we get Toby at a rally. Uh, I heard a version of that, too, that, that there's also people that are calling and those are people that you that are in your life for you to invest in, mm. and it's there's nothing in that relationship for you. It's it's all about you pouring into them. Yeah, you know. And I think church is one of the most complicated places when it comes to occupation because if I work at um, a business here in Franklin, if I get fired or decide to leave, I leave my work friends, but my church doesn't change, my kids' community doesn't change mm -hmm. for youth group. My small group still stays the same. My pastor's still the same. I'm, you know, that big, huge faith component of my life isn't completely altered when I leave my job in the marketplace and go from A to B. Yeah. I start over. It's complicated. It's not, it's difficult, but it's not earth shattering. When somebody gets let go from a church or decides to leave a church, you are literally taking that entire faith component and shifting it. And so now you have a new pastor that you have to learn how to trust. You have your kids have to go to a new youth group, your new community group. Like it massively alters. So I'm, I tell churches all the time, you, hiring is expensive. Firing is way more expensive. Mm. And, it, and it doesn't just cost money. It's costing mental health in a lot of ways. And would you say that all of us need to have you know, key relationships in different buckets so that, you know, for a church tech or any church staff member, all your relationships aren't in the church bucket. Yeah. And, and naturally you're doing, you're, you're in, you're at war, right? We're in a spiritual war. And so you're at war every week with your buddies. So you're going to get close to those people. But I think the intentionality of having relationships that, that exist beyond just that group is, is vital because when that group goes away and typically everything has a beginning, middle and end, mm -hmm. um, especially ministry jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's going to end at some point. Uh, even if it, your end is you die, it's going to end. Mm. Right. And so when it ends, what do you have to lean on? You've got to have something beyond just that. Now I'm, that's not saying, don't invest in that. I think you should invest in that. You're on a on a, a mission together. You're trying to accomplish something together. But uh, I, yeah, I think I think it's super important that we're we're developing relationships beyond just. And that's one of the things you guys do well with this podcast and social media is help guys and girls connect with each other in in the church like gear space. So which is really cool. Heck, I hope so. If if we're doing that, that makes me feel thrilled. Yeah, what's great is if you leave a church and move to a different church, you can still have all your friends in the tech community that right. are at different churches. Right. Yeah. And sometimes that might be the door to get you into your next church job. Mm -hmm. so. That's true. I've seen the Facebook groups. The Facebook groups for church techs are massive. So I've, that's been another good place that people can find community. Um, okay. So then let's move on to ego, Toby. Yeah. Back to Bono. 
Oh my good. Why do y'all keep saying that? <laughs> I mean, Bono has a very healthy ego. Okay. Healthy but it's not the kind way. of ego. I mean, it's not the kind of ego that you're like, that guy's a jerk. It's yeah. the kind of ego of like, that guy knows what he's doing. Well, isn't uh, humility is not like thinking less of yourself. It's just knowing exactly what you are. It's thinking of yourself less. According to C.S. Lewis. According, C.S. Lewis yes. quote. That is correct. Eh, Lord of the Rings wasn't that great. Um, That's okay. not C.S. Lewis. <laughs> was it not? No. <laughs> no, that was Tolkien. That was Tolkien. I remembered that. Look, Another like, one. That was C.S. Lewis's okay. very dear friend. Another one. Tolkien. So Which, you're in the same job. That was probably his confidant. Do you know who wrote the Bible? Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Literally not. <laughs> no, it was like 52 different people, 62 different people. You sure about that? Well, now I'm not. <laughs> I went to the oldest Baptist college in the world, and I think my degree should be revoked. I think you, it's safe to go with Holy Spirit. I think there we go. Go yeah. there, and then, you know, from there we can, you can at least battle that. Yes. You know? X number of Holy Spirit-inspired authors. Mm. Yes. Yeah, don't do good on the spirit. And Bono. And Bono. And Bono. <laughs> At least Psalm 40. He wrote Psalm 40. (laughs) Do you know what Psalm 40 is? What's Psalm 40? You're going to go research it tonight, Blake. Got a lot of homework after this. It is A, it is actually Psalm 40. From the Bible. also. Written by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And also Psalm 40. And then it's a song that Bono stole from the Bible called Psalm 40. You should check it out. Has God sued him for plagiarism yet? Uh, I no, think they have to uh, split royalties, but yes, open source. What's that called? Uh, uh, public, public domain. domain. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and the song's goodness. just called Forty, I think. Mm-hmm. But for yeah. Psalm Forty, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh well, then he cited his is, source. That was the one song where uh, the Edge and Adam Clayton would switch. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Do you know who those guys are? <laughs> um, I actually heard about the Edge on a podcast for the Our Ringer podcast? Network. Well, it was on the Ringer Network too. <laughs> Bill Simmons it, was it talking about hanging out with him. Podcast. Yeah. Okay, let's right. move on to ego, which mine has taken a good <laughs> <Yes>. hit. <laughs> All right, so how do we find contentment, contentment in our role and position? That's a tough one. I mean, contentment, I don't know that I... Because I, now you're in a new role, Unpopular new opinions, okay? I'm not 100% sure that I even subscribe to contentment Ooh. Uh, because I, I want to be content, but I never want to lose the edge or desire to steward everything that God's put in my life to the maximum that I can steward it. Sounds like an Enneagram three. Right. Which oh, is, yes. that's the thing. It's a problem. <laughs> I, I know that's a personal thing, you know, like there's other people that would hate that answer, you know, and, and so, which I understand and you can hate it. But for me, you know, con- contentment for me is knowing that I've given it everything I've got and, I always, I, when we're talking with teams, I always tell them our our responsibility is effort, energy, availability, and stewardship. God's responsibility is how people respond to it. And so I can't be responsible for how you respond to the song that I wrote or the sermon I wrote or the design that I created or any of the things that I do. I, I can't be responsible for your reaction to that. But I can be content when I know that I've given it everything that I've got. I was available and I showed up. I was committed to it. I brought the best energy that I have to it and that I stewarded it in a way that would make the Lord happy. If I can do those four things, then I can feel content. 
a lot of times I think we misplace contentment with, with how people respond to the thing that we're responsible to do, right? So you guys may not be content if five people listen to this podcast, but you would be, if you did your best, you should be able to walk away and look in the mirror and look, look at the Lord and say, hey, I gave it everything I had. And so it just didn't work. And that's okay. That's how we learn. I think me and Toby's definition of Blake's best change. So I'm like, we did, I did our best, Toby. We got Stephen Brewster on the podcast for four listeners. I mean, that's right. Should be content. Yeah, I'm thinking back to my worship days. Like, I was constantly discontent. Is that yeah? Is that a word? Mm-hmm. You know, I constantly looked at looking at like Crowder and Wickham and Tomlin and thinking like, why can't I be that successful and yeah. feeling discontent? And um, now, you know, having started church gear. Like I absolutely love what I'm mm-hmm. doing and getting to serve the church. I could look at Sweetwater and think like Sweetwater's a thousand times bigger than us yeah. and be discontent. But I'm not. I'm I'm t- completely content doing what I'm doing, but at the same time in another 5-10 years, I don't want to be exactly where I am personally. Well, and that's the con- that's the tension for me with contentment. Like I want to grow in who I to. am. I'm still happy to be owning and running church gear in five to 10 years, but I want to be better at yeah. doing that. And I, I think contentment is the byproduct of gratitude. So when you can look at your life and thank the Lord for it and put the, talk about ego, put the pieces in the right boxes, right? Like I didn't build this business. God built this business. I showed up and stewarded it. And so when you can live from a place of gratitude, that's going to birth contentment. Whereas I think a holy discontent is I'm not going to, I'm not going to settle for where we're at Mm -hmm. because there's always better. There's always improvement. There's always more that you could chase. When more becomes the, the goal and stewardship is not the goal, gratitude is not the goal. Then all of a sudden you're, you're going to, you'll never be content. Well, and I would say that like contentment has a good biblical basis because of the story of the talents, like the one person that was given the talent and they kept it and they did nothing with it and then they returned it. And that mm-hmm. was kind of like, didn't go over well. Like you're we're supposed to want to produce more with what we're given. And I, one of my favorite quotes of all time is, uh, comparison is the enemy of contentment. Mm-hmm. And I think that is completely applicable when you compare yourself to other people but if you compare yourself to your potential, mm-hmm. I think it is a healthy way to look at it. Of yeah. Like, I know God has me in this role. Let's say I'm a production director at a church and truly believe God has placed me here, but there's a bigger church across town. Like, that's unhealthy to look at it that way. But to look at it as, am I the best version of myself as the production director of this church? Or do I need to invest in growth yeah. and find mentors and read and go to conferences and just continue to get better at what I'm, what is God has called me to do. Totally. You, you, you talked on gratitude. Have either of y'all ever done a gratitude list? Every uh, morning. Oh, really? I, I write that down was, three things every morning that I'm thankful for. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I heard about it during COVID and it's like truly of all the mind tricks out there, which is weird to try to trick yourself, but like a gratitude list has a hundred percent success rate for me. If you start listing, if you're in a, having a bad day, or in a bad spot, and you start listing out the things you're grateful for, you cannot at least go back to, to homeostasis. You might not go to euphoria, but you can get back to homeostasis with a gratitude list every time. That sounded like a lot of science. <laughs> well, then it was probably all... It was coming from me. <laughs> I remember a uh, slight left turn, but I remember a pastor when I was a teenager. He 
talked to us about his marriage and he had been married a long time, at least 20 years at that point. And he said, you know, my first or second year of marriage, I just started to become really discontent. And I'd look at my wife and think like, did I make a mistake? Like, could I have done better? Wait, he said this on a podcast? No, he oh, he said okay. this. Is this to, interpersonally or on stage? I think this was like a small group of teenage boys. Okay. And so he said he made a conscious decision that every single morning he was going to thank God for his wife. And he said he committed to do that every single day. And he's like, it completely changed my perspective. Of course. After six months or a year, he said, I absolutely was all bought in on my wife. Yeah. And it... You know. I hope she never hears that story. <laughs> yeah, I hope she's like, yeah, boy, I was having to do that too, but it took me a lot of things yeah. to be thankful for. 20 yeah. years you. later, I'm still uh -huh. asking God. <laughs> the resolution on your face. Oh, man. Um, okay, so then if we're trying to be contentment, I guess a lot of that is like assessing our value to be content with. This is this is what I'm valued as, so and I should be happy with that to some degree. Like, Stephen, when you're having those hard conversations with yourself, how do you... Talk to yourself about your value and think about that. Um, I mean, I don't. I Just don't. look at the bank account, <laughs> the Instagram followers, yeah. the fans outside your window. No, Instagram followers, that's the worst place to go because I also mean, I, mean, I used to post every day hmm. and now I'm lucky if I post twice a week. Um, and so that's actually a place I go for shame because I know what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not doing it. And so... I found myself not even opening Instagram for like two or three weeks because I was like, I felt shame that I wasn't stewarding that gift the way I should be, right? Um, so answering that question, I mean, I don't know. The, the conversations I have with myself are probably not the... <laughs> they don't. They never start in the healthiest place, okay? And uh, it's funny when people talk about ego, my, uh, there's not a harsher critic on Steve Brewster than Steve Brewster. And so the things that I tell myself, if somebody else told me, we'd probably get in a fight. And so I think a lot of times for us as, as, um, leaders and, and ministers on some level is we've got to identify what is it that we're doing that, where are we telling ourselves lies, right? And it's why it's so important that we have people in our lives that we can go to and say, hey, this is what I think about myself today. What part of this is true? And then what part of this is fabrication? Because we are not a good indicator of ourself, mm. okay? And so you've got it. That's, that's why we've got to have somebody who can give us some perspective, you know, so uh, at least for me. See if you agree or disagree with this, but I feel like traditionally worships and creatives um, have, you know, their perspective on themselves is the reverse in a sense that they think too highly of themselves. I mean, I used to be yeah. a worship and I thought like, I'm amazing. I can do anything. And I look at other artists and other creatives and think like, how come they're getting all the accolades? Because right. I'm just as awesome. But I feel like texts are actually the reverse yeah. where they think so lowly of themselves. They feel like, well, the only place that I'm worth doing anything is in the background behind behind a booth. Yeah. Well, anytime our value is found in what we do, not who we are, mm -hmm. it's misplaced value. Okay. So that is such a good quote for the episode. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> anytime, yeah, because and and as a three on the enneagram, this is also very difficult. 
I'm not what I do. Right. And none of us are what we do, but a lot of us get trapped in what we do. So we misplace our identity. Our identity doesn't stay in Christ. Our identity stays in our function and how people respond to our function. And that's a very fickle place to live and a very unhealthy place to live. So if you want to see the counselor forever, keep living in that space. Mm. Right. But if you want to get to a healthy place, have people in your life, have a community and and spend enough time with the Lord that you start to identify who he's called you to be and let them reinforce who he's called you to be so that you can actually live from that place. And when you start living from that place, the conversation you have with yourself is a whole lot nicer. So, Yeah, truly, I relate to this on a deep level because that's one of the things, like you say, like you want to see the counselor forever, like was able to kind of push those to not so frequently because I got to that place. Um, did wholehearted at how mm-hmm. Fellowship does that, just finished that. And mo- making that move from like who you are mm-hmm. is not like what you do, but whose you are has been like the most freeing mental shift of my life. Yeah, it's massive. Okay, so even if you are clear on whose you are, uh, you still got to get paid to make a living. Cash yeah, money. So how do you get to a healthy point to believe what you are actually worth and to ask or search for a job of what you're actually worth as opposed to thinking, you know what, I guess the church can only pay me this. Well, it's ministry and I'll yeah. just suffer. Well, no one's going to pay you what you're really worth. Even you as a business owner, you're not making what you're really worth. Okay. So if I took the number of hours you spend running this business and I divided it by your hourly rate, you're probably making about two bucks an hour <laughs> and you're worth more than that, you know? But I think it's where uh, what you're worth is, it also comes in value of community, fulfillment, uh, joy, community, like being in a community that brings you some of those things, mm-hmm. joy and fulfillment. And so, some of the uh, some of the, the 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 return on what you're worth may not come fiscally, and probably most of it won't come fiscally. But what what is the experience and the quality of life that you're going to live in this? position or community or space or geographical location in order to really, that's, then, then you can take a holistic look at, is this worth it? Cause I mean, there's not a church job. I, I have to take that back. There's a lot of senior pastors that have great church jobs. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, there's not a church job that's paying you your worth, but your worth is never going to be quantified by a paycheck. It's quantified by what you do for the kingdom, how you feel about it, how you can reconcile it, you know, so. I like Blake has kind of told me that uh, what he gets paid at church gear is in kind of like church gear dollars, as opposed to if he worked at Amazon or some I call it giant. the church gear discount. Yeah. I'm not saying that I've talked to other people about this, but you know, I totally have. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> well, I try to, how real I get on the podcast is always such a metric. <laughs> I, when you have conversations with people, it's like, look, could anyone at church gear go make X? And this is similar to a church. I would say like X amount of more dollars somewhere like Amazon or corporate place. Sure. Yes. I don't know what that number is for you. Maybe it's 50%, maybe it's 20%, but church gear, but like, would that place be fun to be at? Would it feel like missional work? Would you enjoy the people you're around? Like there's all the right. benefits. hundred percent. And so I tell people, I'm and like, all of those benefits are worth way more than any dollar. Yeah. Any dollar. So I'm always like, you got to, now the church discount can't be 100%. You can't work for free. 
but I'm like, you gotta, you gotta just tell yourself, yes, I'll like kind of what you said, you'll never be paid what you're worth, but also like, is it within a range that is livable? Cause yeah. well, you have to take care of yourself and your family, right? That's stewardship, but yeah, put a dollar amount on enjoying your job. Yeah. I, there's, how do you do that? You know, you like to come here. You like to work with the people that you work with, except for Toby. You <laughs> you love doing, you love going out and working with these other churches and helping them find new contentment, joy, commitment, whatever. So yeah, you can't put a dollar on that. And no, I mean I know your staff, lots of great people. You probably can't pay them what they're worth, but the you know we're into something bigger than ourselves, and so. One person at church here is paid what they're worth, but everybody else is completely underpaid. I like that. <laughs> I see where that's going. For the record, Blake, though, why do you make so much money? Yeah. <laughs> just for the record, since you know we are hiring, church here does pay. I think actually a little better than I think most people would expect, because uh, Toby's like a good dude behind all the jokes. Um, but yeah, it's that's really good. Where, for where do I get the application? Steven, this is not a joke. I <laughs> tried to recruit you and, you know. You, hey, I brought you, I gave you a very good. You did. I gave you a very, very good um, result. Counterbalance to Blake. Is that how we're? I mean, saying? I would say. <laughs> Listen, you, you seriously brought us my, yes, one of my favorite people in the world. So uh, on that um, subject real quick, you know, I've talked to so many church techs that talk about their position in the church and their pay. And we all know churches don't always pay great. Yep. And they know that they could make more money if they go out on the road, mm -hmm. but they have to weigh all those benefits. All the costs. Yeah. You know, and Dennis Choi said it best. He's like, it comes down to calling. Like, yep. am I called to be at this church? And hopefully that comes with the joy and yeah. the benefits of being part of that mission. Um, but for some people, it is the right move to leave and go hit the road. And you're going to know when that grace lifts. That grace is going to lift off of you and you're going to know and you're not going to be able to be content anymore. It doesn't matter how great your generosity list is, or I'm sorry, your gratitude list is. You're not, it's not going to do the job anymore because there are seasons when it's time to go. And I think don't stay somewhere that you don't believe in. I, I'm a firm believer. If you wouldn't attend your church, you shouldn't work at it. That's... <laughs> that's pretty, that right there. That's, that's pretty solid. Yeah, that's gonna be tough for some people to to swallow. But so yes. I think, but yeah, I mean, if yeah. if you wouldn't attend that church, yep, and you're not willing to tithe to that church, mm -hmm. then why are you taking a check from that church? Go find another church that you can believe in, a pastor that you can believe in, a team that you can believe in that you would attend, and then go work there and bring your gifts and your skills and talents to that. But the minute that you start realizing you're taking a check from a place you wouldn't attend. Dangerous place. I mean, I mean, that's just the same reason the, they'll never listen to this. That's the same reason I told Jeff to switch over to church gear. I was just making my next boss his, his next car, like buy mm -hmm. his next fancy car over here, mm -hmm. get to help church techs. So, Should switch. I not tell you that I'm buying a car? Toby, listen. <laughs> it's another Ford Flex, You're going to take all of my... <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So our, our listening audience doesn't know that my wife and I have been addicted to Ford Flexes for... I think we bought our first in 2009 or 10. So we've had three of them now, but unfortunately Ford has stopped producing them as of 2020. You're so, stuck then. I know. You need to, what's your current one? What year? 2019. Ooh. I know. You so, might want to just put a 2020 like in the garage so that it'll be there for you when the 2019 that's dies. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, save it. Find the lowest mileage one out there and just stop. Have stock you seen this, his car, Steven? It's so ugly. No. It's like a little square. So what it's are you going to do next then? Like what, where do you go? I mean, you go to a Jeep? I am 
like my brother got a Tesla and not the Tesla okay, specifically. Okay, that's a heck of a jump, bro. But, from a Ford Flex to a Tesla. <laughs> that's a flex right like, there. That is a flex. Driving an electric car was just so elating to me. Like it's whisper quiet and smooth. Yeah, it's amazing. So I definitely have my eye on getting an electric car. Same. Well, and like the government just put out like a new program on it so you can get some get some money back. They're, they're getting more affordable. That sounds good. Okay, so we kind of already, we, we started scratching the surface pretty hard there on identity, um, talking about like having your identity in the right spot. So let's move over to there. So what do I believe my identity is really in relation to my tech director role? Toby, I don't know that. I understand our own question. So is my identity <laughs> in being the production director or tech director at my church and what I do? Or is it, and should it be found in something else? And we well, it definitely should not be found in being the tech director. Yeah. I mean, that's 101, right? The tech director is what you do. Who who are you? Who are you as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, as a colleague, as a child of the Lord? Like, those are the those are the questions I, I need answered. So you know how to run tech amazingly. Well, cool. If you're a jerk, you know, or you don't, I mean... Who cares? So, yeah. Basic, easy answer. And what are some healthy ways to get affirmation outside of your role at your church? Tell me a little more about that question. So if all your identity is in what you do and you feel like if you're not a great production director, what are you? What are some other avenues? Like you mentioned being a dad and being a mm -hmm. husband. You know, What are some of those places that they should look for outside of their church to engage in? healthy fulfillment. Yeah. I, I had, I had a friend who, um, he would call me like every other day and be like, Hey, what, what do you know about this? Hey, what do you know about this? And I got so frustrated with him. I was like, bro, you need a hobby. <laughs> and so he went and got a hobby and it was one of the like best things for him because it brought some, a space where he found clarity. Right. So I would encourage you go find some things to do that bring you clarity away from what you do, away from tech, away from church. And then, and then just ask yourself, like do a little inventory. How are you investing in yourself? If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead anyone else. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I say when I talk to teams, leading yourself starts with how do you lead yourself spiritually? If you don't lead yourself spiritually, you're in trouble. You can't lead anyone else. How do you lead yourself physically? The you know the the um, exec team at Google have to log into the gym ninety minutes a day because the stress that they're under requires that level of endorphins. Wow, to be able to handle it. Okay, how do you how do you handle yourself spiritually? Uh, sorry, creatively. How do you handle yourself creatively? What are you doing every day to be more creative? God's called us all to be creative. If you're a tech guy and you're like, I'm not creative. Yes, you are. You make things work that nobody understands. If you solve problems or have ideas, you're creative. Um, how do you mentally, how do you find space to make sure that you're good, to check in on yourself? Um, how are you learning something every day? So just take those five things, put them on a note card, put across the top of the note card, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right before you go to bed at night, pass, fail, test, check mark. What did I do? Okay. Look at that at the end of the week. You're going to know where you're missing. And those are going to be things that'll help you, help you start to find that rounded out health as, because, because misplaced identity is really mental health. 
It's just hasn't hasn't totally manifested at that point. Mm-hmm. So I could hear some of our uh, some of our listeners, their wheels, their they be turning gears. Yeah, their gears in their head are turning, and they're thinking, okay, well, what I'm going to do outside of my ministry is I'm going to go to smaller churches around town and help them with their tech setups, and I'm thinking. It, does that count as a hobby, or are you just no. trying to find the same identity? Just you're just trying to else? find, yeah. You're trying to find, and I don't even know if you're trying to find identity. I think you're trying to find worth, mm. right? You're trying to have somebody tell you you're worthy, and you're already worthy. You're worthy because you showed up. You're worthy because you keep showing up, and so your worth is not found in what you do. It's found in who you are. God cares a lot more about who you're becoming than what you're creating, and so. Do your thing that you go do should have nothing to do with your occupation. So my friend was a singer. He put, started playing golf. Now I need him to sing more. Mm. I'm like, bro, <laughs> if I see one more golf post, <laughs> it's over. So yeah, no, you can't go. Don't go. You, finding the thing that fulfills you and fills you back up mm. cannot be pouring it into somebody else. Mm-hmm. It just does, doesn't work that way. Import, export. I think uh, the most common thing I see from our church text is smoking meat. Is there. a lot of yeah. There's a lot <laughs> of hobby. meat smokers. I think we needed Blame Lee Fields for this, but uh-huh. he's definitely a culprit. He yeah. and he and Nick Hopefall. So, well, there's something though about uh, well, that's a good company to be in. Um, there's something about like cooking or any kind of that type of activity. Creative that kind exercise. Of, yeah, it allows you to be creative, but then you don't have to stress out about it as much because that's the same way that cocktails are for me or baking is for my wife. Yeah. Kind of just lets you chill out. Yeah, find the thing that, that's totally different, that, that that fulfills you. If it's making meat, great, send it our way. Would love some smoked meat. Toby, what would be your thing? What do you, what do, you do that's not gear? <laughs> so in, I want to say 2018, 2019, I was trying to find something that was would unplug me from buying and selling gear. Because <clears throat> anytime I'd be online, it's just what I would gravitate yeah. to. I'd try and find more gear. And so I bought an Xbox One. Yeah. Because you can't play video games and shop for gear at the same time. It's difficult. So I got that. And then, you know, very shortly after that, I came up with the idea for church gear. And so I just resold the Xbox because I never played it. <laughs> I do think it's important, though, finding something that shuts your, bri- your brain yeah. Like the, that part of your work brain down, mm-hmm. you know? So my homework is to learn about Bono and read Psalm 40 and Toby's is to find a hobby. A and new the, Xbox. The thing that I do uh, is go for drives in the country. Like I will put on a book on tape or music or a podcast and I'll go on drives. Does in the, the Ford Flex have a tape player? <laughs> Steven <laughs> Assassin. That was great. Books on tapes that have been digitized and uploaded into my oh, phone. Oh, okay, no. great, good. So, good. yes, I I just got didn't that. know if that was like a retro <laughs> feature you could add to the 2019 Flex. I mean, we get uh, asked to purchase like cassette duplicators from churches sometimes. So, amazing. I wonder if I could set that up in my Ford Flex. That'd be amazing. Then I could feel like Sweetwater because the the founder of Sweetwater, his story is that like he had a four track recorder in the back of his van in the late 70s. That's how he got started in. In studio. Wow. Yeah. It's killer. I know. Speaking of things that are killer, would love to to wrap us on a killer tech takeaway from you. Our tech takeaway for these this themed episode though is a bit different. Obviously, it's not technical that you could pull a, a curveball on us and surprise us with one. But if you were gonna give a tech takeaway on just hard conversations with yourself, 
what would that be? How to basically summing up your episode or a, or a random piece of advice on the topic, whether it's how to do them well, how to know what to think about, or how to identify something. I'm kind of vamping here at this point because I'm yeah. asking you a very ethereal questions. So it's kind of a, giving you some brain time. Yeah, to, that's a big question. I mean, the Digimaster 427, is that a tech machine? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm sure I mean, it is. I don't know. I mean, I think... If I, I mean, the 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 summary is, you matter, okay. We need you as a tech director. We need you as a human more than we need you as a tech director. And uh, there's a lot of people that care about you. And even when your brain is telling you a lot of things that aren't true about yourself, they're not true. And I I I believe passionately that the whispers that you hear in your head have to be whispers because the devil doesn't want anyone to be able to hear the lies he's telling you, right? And so anytime you start to hear those lies, write them down. And when you start to write them down, you start to see how preposterous they are. And then you go, wait a minute, I've been believing all of this stuff. And then the Bible's full of promises about who God says you are. So start writing down two promises a day and then compare it to your list of lies, and then you're going to be able to go, okay, if I lose my job today, it's not the end of the world because I know who I am, and I'm important, and I'm valuable, and God's got something else. And so in closing, I would just say you matter that much. You matter enough to God that he put you on this planet at this time for this purpose and season and reason, and we need you. And it has nothing to do with what you do, but it has everything to do with who you are. And I feel like I could run through a wall right now, Toby. Oh, well, Stephen, we appreciate you coming on, man, and uh, sharing some of this wisdom and taking on the hardest topic of these. Um, yeah, you didn't give me any softballs, so. <laughs> this is easily our most serious episode we've ever done. <laughs> Yeah, in over a year. So yeah. we need some buffoonery quick. Uh, yeah, I, we'll, we'll get there. Um, As a seven, you do down like being around all these emotions right no, now. No, it's very uncomfortable. Very. When I told him about the hard conversation series, I was like, now, Toby, we're going to talk about some hard things. He's like, in a funny way, some hard things <laughs> with some jokes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, well, man, do you want to plug anything? I mean, I know you say you haven't been on social for three weeks or something. Uh, so Yeah, well, I mean, wanna... I'm back now a little bit. I mean, you can find me on my socials. I also do a podcast with uh, MXU. The, it's the um, MXU Worship Podcast. And so I get to interview a bunch of my friends who are in the music world, writing songs and leading worship all over the country. And we're having a blast with that. And then, um, yeah, I mean. Didn't your wife just come out with a book? An amazing book. So it's a, an Enneagram book for people who are married or about to get married. And it's a workbook. Hmm. And it's, what's so fun is we've had so many people come back to us and say, I wish I had this book when I got married 20 years ago because I would know my partner so much better. Hmm. And so, yeah, she's got a killer book. She's amazing. Enneagramwithjb.com. You can go there, find out all her stuff. She's the best. Real talk, me and Allison were taking a walk at Carton about two days after that came out and we passed these two women on our left and they were talking about his wife's book. Hmm. I heard I heard Enneagram, uh, her book, and Brewster. That's her, hilarious. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was... I said, when you told me that, I said, I hope they both bought a case. Yeah. So... I mean, she is definitely the prize in your marriage. Oh, oh my gosh. My. Even yeah. before books. But <laughs> I tell her she's the retirement plan now, so... Yeah. That's fun. Oh, well, I guess we're going to retire on that, on this, uh, on this uh, 
this episode. So thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It means a lot. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories, tech takeaways, and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios. Uh, Blake, I, I feel like we are, uh, you know, going back on our advice a little bit where we were talking about maybe not being on social media as much. But if we could just ask them to like hop on social media real quick and do something for us. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. But and they could share they could share this episode or I got a, I got a loophole, Toby. You ready? Okay. I got a workaround. Yes. I'm going to be a tech. I'm going to find a solution. Just text it to a buddy. You know, someone that you're like, mm-hmm. you really need to hear this episode. This is going to make you feel better. And also, you know, have you vent into me less? <laughs> Maybe text on this episode. It, it's not social and uh, it'll be great. They'll love it. Yeah. And this is our second uh, podcast recording of the day. So I'm going to need an extra counseling session to work through all the issues that you created within me, Blake. <laughs> Don't worry. I got a couple's one scheduled for us in 30 minutes. Okay, great. Massage to follow. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. <laughs>